0: Section 52 of Stories of the Scottish Border by Mr. and Mrs. William Platt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 49 In Wild Northumberland Today. These tales of the borders would hardly be complete without a few concluding words about the great romantic charm which still invests the borderline. Let us, for example, make a brief survey of some of the haunting spots in wild northumberland we will pass over such towns as Walkworth, annick allenmouth beautiful as they are they have moved with the times and are too modern to be more than mentioned here but in a place like holy island we feel the call of the old days and the charm that was theirs this island was the scene of the first efforts of christianity to curb the wild and warlike Northumbrians. St Aidan and St Cuthbert, both men of remarkable genius and great influence, taught their lessons of peace and justice, without which every warlike state would descend into mere savagery. The island is about two miles square, and at low tide it is easy to walk across the sands to or from the mainland of Northumberland. The distance is two and a half miles and it is necessary to take off shoes and stockings for the water on the sands will often be six inches deep. A row of posts marks the way and some of them have ladders reaching up to a barrel on the top so that any caught by the tide can find a safe harbour wherein they will suffer nothing more serious than a long wait. The island is inhabited by fishing folk living simple, healthy lives. There are fine rocks and splendid sands, beautiful flowers and lovely shells. The seabirds are wonderful. The ruins of the old cathedral and castle are very interesting. It is a delightful old-world place, out of the rush and hurry of modern life. Retracing our steps to the mainland, and proceeding westward for a dozen or so miles as the crow flies, we reach the River Till and the Field of Flodden. Here we are near to the big wild wall of the Cheviot Hills, and to keep on the English side of the border, we need to turn due south. It is then about 30 miles of rough walking through these grandly rugged hills before we come to the Field of Otterburn. But we realise in that walk how it was that the district produced, and still produces, a hardy race of hunters and sheep-farmers, and why it is that the towns and farms nestle in the valleys, so that the borderers, when they meant to say, rouse the neighbourhood, used the phrase, raise the water, meaning, of course, the houses along the waterside. Further south, still going among splendid shaggy hills, we reach the North Tyne River, and soon afterwards some highly interesting Roman remains, including the arches of a fine bridge over the river at the Roman station of Chilernum near Cholliford. This is on the Roman wall, which has already been described, under the heading of Thirlwall. A few miles to the west would bring us to the picturesque but little-known Northumberland lakes, where the wild swans nest. If we continue south, and south-west, we can follow the beautiful valleys of the Allen or the South Tyne. This is a district of hills, roads, and castles. The domain of the fated Lord Derwent Water was near here. For beauty, the whole of this neighbourhood would be hard to beat, yet it is too little known. If we still go south, the scenery grows wilder and wilder, as we approach the huge mountain of Crossfell. We may cross into south-east Cumberland and visit the quaint old town of Alston, one of the highest towns in England. Here were once the royal silver mines, when English coins were made from Alston silver. Lead is chiefly mined there now, and the mines are worth a visit. Near Crossfell, also, is a rough road called the Maiden Way, and an old legend says it was made by women who carried the stones in their aprons. The western slope of the Fell is famous for a specially violent wind called the Helm Wind, which rages there at certain seasons. It is just as if it were rushing fiercely down the hill, with a roaring noise and strength enough to overturn a horse and cart, and to beat the grass and grain till it is black. But though it does a deal of damage it is very exhilarating making people feel merry in spite of themselves and on cross fell slopes can be seen the beautiful river tees which can be followed to its grand waterfalls of the cauldron and the high force in the first the water dashes onto huge rocks and is thrown back on itself roaring foaming and fighting in the second it tumbles sheer down a dark and noble cliff, and everywhere on the heights there are splendid views. In making any such excursions as the ones here outlined into the out-of-way parts of Northumberland and the Borders, we find an added pleasure in the character of the people. The Borderers are still a grand race, big men, vigorous, honest, courteous, hospitable, free from all that is mean and small in some districts you can hear thou and thee still used and meet old men who have never seen a railway one dear old farmer a real picture of a simple honest man hearing i had come from london asked me if the london men had got their hay crop in yet one typical northumbrian of great natural intelligence bearing a name famous on the borders station-master at a local station that stands in a wood, and between trains studies bird and wildflower till he has made himself a most interesting naturalist. A stranger who has lost his way will find these courteous folk ready to walk a mile or two with him out of their own way, just to set him right. And he who is tired and hungry will be invited to step in and eat and perhaps find himself introduced to all the family, and treated like an honoured guest. Then, not a penny of payment taken, they will set him on his way with a bunch of the best flowers from the garden. For hearts on the border are very human and warm, so that in due time he who knows the borderers will delight to hear the unmistakable Northumbrian, or the pronounced border accent. And he will say to himself, Splendid is the border scenery, and stirring are the border ballads, but best of all are the border men. End of section 52. End of Stories of the Scottish Border by Mr. and Mrs. William Platt.